Support for this podcast is provided by Cosmic, a Portland-based agency consisting of technologists, storytellers, and strategists who help nonprofits and B Corps quickly grow revenue and impact. Start growing your mission-driven organization with Cosmic at AmplifyPDX.com. From That Cast Creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey everyone, we're back. Thanks for listening to the PDX Executive Podcast. Took a little break. It's been a couple of months, but I'm excited to have some new episodes we're going to be releasing. And with that, I am excited to have a friend and guest on, uh, Jamie Waltz, who's the director for the Multnomah, Multnomah County Department of Community Services. Jamie, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. And you oversee a lot of different things for your, for your day job. And I think that'd be a good place to start. Can you just tell us a little bit about the role and the different kind of things you oversee for the county? Sure. It's um, definitely a diverse portfolio. So as the director for the Department of Community Services, we provide support for a lot of the basic government infrastructure. Um, so I cover animal services, land use planning, transportation, and elections for Multnomah County. And um, really responsible for making sure that we are providing these basic foundational government services and providing access for the community. So for animal services, we have the shelter, which is located out in Troutdale. And I look at us as the safety net for our, our animals. So we mm. um, take a lot of the, the stray animals um, abuse, neglect. We also have field services. So we're out in the community supporting, keeping animals with their humans. Um, and then with transportation, it's, it's really a very broad, um, grouping. We manage, um, the, many of the Willamette river bridges. Okay. And one of our big projects right now is to reconstruct the Birdside bridge to make it earthquake ready. So it will stand, um, during a Cascadia subduction zone earthquake. So one of my big projects is um, identifying funding for the construction portion of that, as well as maintaining our rural roads in our west and east county. And what I think a maybe a lot of people in Multnomah County don't realize is that we are all the way out Soviet Island west to the border of Washington County. And then on the east side, we go all the way out into the gorge and right. um, into the national scenic area as it um, then um, comes up against Hood River County. And so our land use goals um, are really about preserving the forest and farmland that we have in our rural parts of the county. Um, we have a lot of natural resources and gems. And so we want to help facilitate development within the, the, the planning goals that we have at the state and, and countywide. And then um, with elections, really our goal is to make sure that every voice is heard and that we have accurate and accessible elections. And, you know, there's been a lot in the news lately about election security. And we have been fortunate in Oregon to have a vote by mail system for over 20 years. And uh, we're just continually looking at ways to ensure accessibility for our diverse populations that yeah. come to vote. So it's never a dull moment. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, it's like we could dig into each one of those and have a whole podcast. But I think, you know, to kind of bring it back to a lot of folks that, you know, you're part of a um, kind of a, a leadership group. Um, thank you for being part of that. Uh, we, we meet and there's a lot of it's pretty different. The types of folks that are you know, working in private industries, some government. But it all kind of ties back to probably a lot of especially you do with, with kind of partnering with different <laughs> stakeholders and things. And I, I would would kind of think that's a huge part of your job. So could you talk a little about that across all the different things you do or? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I am still constantly learning acronyms because I mean, every every group has their acronyms, but that that's just an aside. But um, yeah, one of the things that I'm really looking at, I think the pandemic has given us all a lot of opportunity to look at where um, we, we want to make shifts. And I think during the pandemic at the start, our gas tax revenue declined and we had to make $5.4 million reduction and had to let off 18 FTE at the start of that, which was an incredibly painful period, but it gave us an opportunity to look at what wasn't working and kind of reimagine how we are providing government services. And so that's something that we are looking at in each one of my divisions. Um, I think there's different expectations from our community about what government provides and how we um, exist. And so while it's really hard to make shifts and you're looking at a government institution that has a lot of institutional inertia, really been focusing on um, what I've kind of called the radical rethinking of how we're providing those services. And that really ties into the leadership. And, you know, it's not that one person can come in and say, we're going to make this change. And it's really um, getting the right people at the table to help us think differently and understand and centering the community voices to understand. To, to learn what, what it is they want. Um, within our department, we have state, federal, and county mandates. So there are legal things that we're bound to do. Um, and then beyond that, we have flexibility in how we think about providing services. And so, um, you know, that, that ties into some of this leadership work. Yeah, well, I want to get into that. And then going back to that, uh, what did you just call it? The radical? Radical rethinking. Radical I mean, rethinking. we use the term transformation, but I wanted to use something because we are really thinking differently. Yeah. Well, transformation is a little played out, right? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's going through a transformation constantly. So, I mean that as you're, you're, you know, doing that as a, a team, was that, is it everybody kind of jump on board with that mindset? I'm just curious because I've worked in a federal government early in my career and uh, we'll just say sometimes there is an inertia of being a longstanding institution that there's some challenges with, with that, right? Uh, so yeah, but I, I love that you're rethinking this and maybe shifting you know, speed and things. So just, yeah, I uh, hear about um, that. No, I mean, I think with every change you have, you know, there's all those change curves and you've got your early adopters, resistors and everybody in between. And and when you have change, as the pandemic was kind of change that was forced on us, mm-hmm. there's there's that external pressure and then there's that internal shifting that has to happen with the change. And that's the hard part. And I think along with it kind of goes to, you know, what I some of my leadership learnings is that leadership is really about mobilizing others to confront an issue and make progress on a difficult reality they'd rather avoid. And so this is really, you know, like there is comfort in doing things the way that we've done it, but knowing that it's not working. And so 
It's really about getting in there, diagnosing the issues, bringing the people together to get the different perspectives, and then helping make that shift. And the way that I look at these shifts, especially within government, is you've got the kind of the structures and institution pieces mm -hmm. that need to shift. So those are our operating procedures, the way that you know, for example, we're making some pretty significant changes in the shelter. So the way that the animal comes in and used to be processed through the shelter, we're working with the, the University of Wisconsin Shelter Medicine Program, and the way an animal processes through the shelter is totally different. So that's a structural piece. Yeah. You know, we can look at like when we're looking at implementing anti-racist policies or leading with race, there's structural elements that are inherently, you know, racist. Yeah. Um, so sh shifting those structures is one piece. And then you've got the hearts and minds of the people working in there, right? So there's all, you know, there's a lot of loss. There's a lot of legitimacy when you're making changes from things that people are used to doing. And there's also, I think, an expectation and evolution of how we function in the workplace has changed. And um, especially in Multnomah County, we're doing a lot around centering equity and looking at leading with race. And so that's a, a different language, a different way of thinking for a lot of People who have been there for a long time and yeah, haven't really, yeah. um, you know, integrated this into the way that we work. And then there's the culture piece, right? And and one of my, um, you know, bosses who just was amazing human, he always, always used to say that culture eats strategy for breakfast. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so really like there's this, I look at it as a triangle. So really having to address and, and attend to all of those three pieces in order to make a shift. And it's hard. It yeah, is really it's, hard. It's hard. I think a lot of people listening to this, you know, they have teams that have, and whether they're or running their own business, it's all hard. And I remember there's a quote that uh, we were just, uh, the offsite you attended was that, um, a colleague said, we can do hard things. <laughs> she, uh, she kept saying that. And it's like, I think we need to hear that. Right. Um, well, uh, how long have you been with the County now? Just over four years. Okay. So one thing I wanted to maybe talk about, and it was, as I mentioned, when I was earlier in my career, I, I worked in federal government, kind of right out of college. And there is that career piece. I, I think it's important to, for folks, maybe younger, to look at government to work in. Because uh, for me, I will say my experience, I worked for the Social Security Administration. First job out of college, I was 22 years old. Interesting thing about Social Security, it literally touches every type of person in the country you make two million dollars a year you, you know you're, you're homeless so it gave me a just incredible amount of empathy of uh you know across the spectrum of working with people and customer service and that has helped me i think tremendously so yeah i would love your thoughts like i don't know if you have young people working for you or just encouraging folks to you know or if, you know, maybe people that are listening to their kids like government is a very great career to start in i think it gives you a lot of tools even if you don't stay there yeah, I think it's unique. I mean, I've never worked in the private sector. Well, I did for a year as a consultant working with the Centers for Disease Control. So I've always, my whole career has been um, really aimed at the public sector. I've worked at the federal, state, city, and county levels. And my background is in public health. And I got into public health wanting to improve people's lives and make a difference. And Never did I really imagine that I would transition and, and become a director of core infrastructure and yeah. government services. But government has its unique challenges, as I think any 
any setting where you get people, right? Like yeah. we have people run businesses, organizations. I think the unique thing about government, um, and I think that government is maybe not as attractive right now, given just coming through the pandemic and and the turmoil, and especially here in in, in Oregon and in Portland, you know, there's a, there's a lot of challenges. And I, I heard at one point, I don't know where I ever heard this, but like the problems that couldn't be solved at the private sector come to the government. And that's mm. where the hard problems exist. And I think government, you know, it's not always about solving problems, but it's making adaptive change on problems. And, you know, I think there's a lot of um, reward in being able to make an impact in people's lives. And even at, at my level, you know, I still like am a little bit more disconnected from the direct service, but knowing that I am helping run an organization that is you know, getting people safely, hopefully yeah. safely from point A to point B or reuniting with their pets or giving them resource so that they can keep their pets that they may not otherwise have had. There's a lot of benefit that you can draw. Um, I do think it takes a level of patience in government. It works at its own pace. Um, and so that's something that I've had to learn a lot about over time. I don't think that I came into government be being an overly patient person. Um, <laughs> okay. But... Yeah, well, I think patient is it's no matter where you are, right? <laughs> and I think more than more than ever, people are looking for work, and we've all known people that are jumping jobs right now that maybe they haven't, and they've been a job for 10, 15 years, and they're looking to align a little bit more with meaning or have that direct line where you can see, like you said, the transportation or the elections, safe and secure elections you're overseeing. So, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, back to your kind of leadership journey. I know you went through a program or maybe you're still going through it. It's called the, uh, let's talk about that. It's called the inner M MBA. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the inner MBA is a nine month. It's an online course that teaches you how to lead from within and bring your deepest values towards business and work. And I, I really, to sum it up, it's about mindful and compassionate leadership. And it, while it's geared towards a business slant, um, you know, it's, there's, folks all over the spectrum and, and, and government folks. And it's um, put on by an org through organization, Sounds True LinkedIn and Wisdom 2.0, and it features wisdom leaders, socially conscious CEOs, business academics and researchers. And I, I had the gift, um, my boss who hired me at the county and ended up passing away a little over a year after I came here, um, sent me to this course um, at Harvard's Kennedy School of Government my first year here. And that was a really amazing look into leadership and adaptive leadership um, and the challenges that we face in, in changing systems. And that was geared towards government. And at the very end, you know, they touched on like how challenging, like going back to we can do hard stuff. We yeah. Doing hard stuff takes its toll on us, right? And mm -hmm. because it's about people and leading people um, is, can be amazing and can be exhausting. And so, you know, one of the things as I progressed up in my career, there's different levels of pressure and stress and worry and really wanted to figure out, I've got two young kids who are the lights of my life and a family and all these other parts of me and wanted to really learn about how do I take this position of leadership and really like manage myself. And so I um, 
had heard about this through a good friend who went through it and um, just knew it was the right thing to do. You know, sometimes just things come your way and you're like, I've got to do this. Right. And so um, we're in our last, just about to start our last month um, at the program, started back in September. And it's based on three trimesters, kind of um, the first one really focuses internally on our self-awareness and mindfulness. And it's the idea that before we can consciously and compassionately work with others, we need to be grounded and be able to manage ourselves. So mm -hmm. there's a lot about mindfulness. Um, Jack Cornfield and Tara Brock have a 40-day mindfulness course that's free online. Okay. Um, and they have one that's... That um, do you know? Right, we, we can put it in yeah. the show notes. Yeah, I don't want to put you on the spot, but... Um, I do have that. And yeah, I, we could we could put it in the notes, but um, it's free. They one that's geared towards life and one that's geared towards work. And so really, you know, just even doing meditation and mindfulness doesn't necessarily erase all the stressors, yeah. but it's really about noticing and awareness. And so that first trimester is about the mindfulness and also the brain science, which I find is really, really fascinating. What happens to our attention um, and just how do we use our our mind and, you know, our, our amygdalas, the like, mm -hmm. you know, when we go into fight, flight or freeze and and how do we just uh, be, have more awareness and attune to ourselves. And then the second trimester is about building exceptional, exceptional teams and mindfully working with others. So that's more about like the deep listening, that wholehearted listening. There's a lot around self-compassion and acceptance because mm -hmm. Before you can, you know, look at somebody, if you're enacting massive change and you're looking at the struggles that that internal, that, that, that individual is going through internally, there's a level of compassion, you know, and it's, it helps to look at not that this person is, you know, resisting or intentionally doing this, but that they have struggles that they are trying to work through in order to work in this new environment that you're creating. Yeah. The other really cool thing that starts in the second trimester is um, this work by Lisa Leahy, who's a Harvard professor about immunity to change. And it's it's assessing the like big hidden assumptions that we have inside ourselves that actually impede our progress towards like embracing a goal or change. Hmm. And so it's something that I got to do uh, when I was at that Harvard course and then going through it again it's, it's really interesting because sometimes we don't realize these underlying assumptions that we hold that are just assumptions that are actually preventing us from making progress and internal change that we want to make. So there's a lot of work that we do through that. And then self-care, um, really important. And then I, I really appreciate how they've brought in the power, inclusion, and diversity into this. Um, you know, when you're building teams, we know that there's a lot going on about structural and systemic racism. And so bringing that concept into work around diversifying teams um, and our own internal biases. So, um, you know, that's part of the second trimester. And then the third trimester is making your workforce for good. So it's collaborating across differences and through, seeing, again, through lens of compassion and mindfulness. And then how do you build authentic work, workplace communities and it's, it's fascinating because while I've been looking at, you know, going back to the triangle of the yeah. systems, personal, interpersonal culture, there's a professor that brings in that concept with different words. So there's a lot of variations of similar themes teaching it different ways because they're geared towards adult learning. 
Yeah. No, which I, I think that. is pretty cool. Yeah. And because I mean, I, so I got my MBA and it was very valuable, but it was very focused on financial models. Like these kind of things of leading people, I think, well, you know, a lot of people were pointing a career. They weren't quite maybe leading teams. So it's a, it seems like a great continuation and just that lifelong learning piece yeah. uh, is so important. So kudos to you for, I mean, it sounds super interesting. And again, it's inner I N N E R MBA. Yep. You know, folks want to check it out. And you've told me some of the speak, they bring in speakers too. I mean, some amazing speakers uh, from different organizations. So I know one person who I call him my kind of my spiritual crush is Chip Conley. Uh, if, if you know, might know, don't know who Chip is, but he runs something called the uh, like the Modern Elder Academy. <laughs> it's like for midlife kind of uh, uh, professionals or leaders or just all walks of life. And he's a super interesting person. It sounds like Chip spoke, I guess, what a session, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, all of the the professors and, and then um, about twice a month, they have these live interviews with socially conscious CEOs. So, um, you know, one of these things that it's stretching me is um, one of the socially conscious CEOs that spoke and was interviewed. Just what she said just was really what I, I needed to hear at that moment. Mm. And I don't, I don't really, I'm not very good at marketing myself or putting myself out there, but I reached out to her on LinkedIn and she's now my executive coach. And so it's just this connection. They're all very open. They want to hear from students. Plus it's, um, my, my cohort, there's about, I think 1300 people from around the world. And so I have connected with um, people from all over the world. I meet regularly with a woman from South Africa cool. that we met online, and they also pair you into these learning communities. And so I am on a learning community with um, a group from the Pacific North Coast, um, all the way up from Canada down to California. And we meet every two weeks just to process the material and check in with each other and it's, it's a real, it's a way to reinforce that learning that yeah. we're doing and just incredibly valuable. I feel grateful that my learning cohort is very active and we, yeah. we text each other, like setting our intentions for the week and being very clear with what, what is our hope, uh, you know, to like keep an open heart this week or an open yeah. mind or listen fully, um, you know, I so we check that. in and then you have these accountability partners that just kind of help you reinforce the work. And when you're having a hard moment, they have the language through the program and the understanding so we can support each other. Yeah. Well, that's great. And when you're done, I would love to reconnect about it um, and have you share some things uh, to here or with our you know, other group. So kind of as we end, what are some, you mentioned self-care and that's a word that's thrown around a lot. I don't know how I would describe the best way to say it, but I guess <laughs> de-stress or just, I, I don't know, but what are some things that are for you just as a, a person or a leader that you like to do that helps you? Yeah. I, I think it's, you know, one of the things that I'm still learning that I think is hard is these jobs are, there's inherent stress in them, right? There's, you've got a lot of responsibility on your shoulders and each day there's something new that comes your way and it's not, 
it's learning how to to have that presence of mind and, and that focus so that it doesn't knock you off your center. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and we're all human. We, we have the human experiences to feel and we do get knocked off center. So how do we, you know, take care of ourselves? And, you know, for me, exercise is like a non-starter. Prioritizing exercise is really important for me. Mm-hmm. Um, just time with my kids. You know, and like those snuggles and my kids are middle schoolers and they still love being with me. So I'm going to hang on to that as much as I can. And, you know, whether it's going for a walk like right now and looking at all the beautiful flowers, dancing, uh, I just kind of letting loose or just um, having moments with my family is really, really important. And that that centers me because. I can get very present and all that other noise and all that other worries goes out the door and there's just pure joy in that moment. And I think it's recognizing that those moments of pure joy are all around us. It, And that's one of the things I've learned through this course, right? It's like you can get so bogged down, but just that yeah. mindfulness and awareness really helps. And then um, honestly, like travel, we are huge, huge world travelers. And I feel grateful we get to travel. And so at least once a year, we take a trip abroad. Pandemic kind of, you know, put that on hold a little bit, but we are um, traveling again. And so, you know, leaving the work stuff at work because I don't take an international Mm. plate for work and getting to Mm. completely disconnect and making sure you have those times to recharge. really important to us. So, oh, it's so important, but it is so difficult. And so for you to prioritize that, and I think, and you mentioned just these moments of presence for me coming out of the pandemic, I've been trying, it's almost gotten easier in a way because you, you kind of have this, we have this lingering PTSD, how I don't know, it's going to play out for everybody. And so you kind of savor those a little more and you're seeing that in few people, you know, like I said, leaving jobs or rethinking all things or, you know, retiring early, just they don't care about, you know, adding more uh, chips to the stack of the retirement account. So I, I think that's going to be a, a great thing, but it is, you have to be really intentional about it. So I really appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Thank you. Well, Jamie, where if folks want to connect with you, where, where's the best place to do that? And maybe learn about uh, your department as well. Sure. I'm at, I'm at LinkedIn. Um, I have Jamie Waltz um, also through the county, um, jamie.waltz at mulco.us. It's another way as well. Thanks so much, Jamie. Yeah, thanks. The PDX Executive Podcast is a production of ThatCast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well. 